Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Nerds Adulting Podcast. I am your regular host, Peter, and I am joined today by Josh, as always, but I am super excited today because I have a special guest. Her name is Michaela. She is from Story Route Zero and is, sorry, the Story Route Zero podcast and editor of Obelisk Games. Michaela, how are you doing today? I am good. How are you guys? Super pumped. I'm super excited to talk today about remakes and remasters. Josh, what about you? I am doing very well, Peter. I'm excited. It's been a while since we've made an episode, and I'm looking forward to today. This is true. This is true. I was just talking in our pre-show shenanigans about how I how I know Michaela. I don't know her, know her, but she has been like one of my first Twitter followers. <laughs> she uh, was a writer for Obelisk Games, which is this really cool indie. I call it indie. Is that fair to say? So like an indie gaming journal like website with great articles and stuff. And that's how I came to know you. And I followed you and I watched you on Twitch years ago. And since then, it's just we always had some fun interactions. You seem like a super nice person. I love the stuff you post on Twitter. It's just very positive it's just very like i vibe with that so thank you for for joining the show i'm going to start it off with asking you a question i ask everybody that comes on our show what makes you a nerd growing up now what how do you identify as a nerd well uh growing up obviously been around games for a really long time uh gaming and anime have been two things that i've been really interested in for a long time especially i grew up on jrpgs so those things kind of go hand in hand, been deep in it. And then when I was in high school and college, I was actually too much of a scholastic nerd. So I kind of skipped out on the PS3 gen because I wouldn't let myself get into new games while I was working on my um, my high school, college, athletic career and all that. And then after I graduated, came back into gaming big time. Um, bought myself a PS4. Now I got a PS5 and a Switch. And I just love writing about games. I love reading about games. I love talking about games. So I've been, you know, writing at Obelisk. I've been editing at Obelisk. I, like you mentioned, I Twitch streamed for a while when I had a little bit more time in my schedule. Unfortunately, not so much anymore. But also podcasting about games. I've been on multiple shows. Uh, currently doing Story Route Zero on a week-to-week basis with some friends of mine, where we just literally spend like two hours every Monday talking about games because that's all we do. <laughs> so, uh, how did you get into writing? Um. I, I've always enjoyed writing. Uh, I was an English major in college, and um, I've been writing for a long time. And then when I graduated, I got a job in copywriting. And, I mean, yeah, that pays the bills. It's not exactly fun, though. So um, when I picked up that PS4 and started to get back into gaming, um, I was looking for a creative outlet anyways. And I do some fiction on the side, but um, uh, Obelisk... Uh, was created by this guy Mo, and he had his pinned tweet was like just looking for writers, and I applied and got it, and then started writing, and then got promoted to the editor, and that's how that's how that how uh, ha- all happened. <laughs> okay, how does I've never I've actually uh, I've been kind of out of the loop. I've have a heavy workflow, so um, I Peter told me that you run your own podcast. What do you guys usually do? You just talk about games. What is your what is the context of your podcast? Yeah, so um, for the most part, it's just us shooting the shit, and we, so the way we we format it, it's not, it's like super loose, it's kind of just like a conversational style show, um, where the predecessor to this show was um, focused solely on PlayStation, but now Story Route Zero is all platforms, so we can talk about whatever we want. Um, We talk about games we've been playing recently, and then we will go through like the top news stories of the week and then once a month we do a either a game club game where we all play the same game or we do a backlog challenge where we picked a game from each other's backlog to make them play and they basically have to report back on it like a book report ah that's pretty interesting that's a really good idea that would give me an excuse to play games in my backlog (laughs) (laughs) Uh, automatically i check off six backlog games just through the podcast well, that, yeah, that's really cool. I think we can all kind of identify or relate to talking about games for two hours, especially us. We can easily go over it. Josh is always mad at me because I'm cutting the podcast a little short. He's like, why, are we gotta, why do we have to stop at an hour? Why can't we go for two and three hours? I'm like, dude, no one has time. People barely have time as it is today to play games. Who wants to listen to a three or four hour podcast? So I try to cut it down an hour. Josh, jo- yes, you may speak, sir. Go ahead. No, I'm saying like <laughs> me. Like I'll listen. Is if it's entertaining, I'll listen to it. People want to hear. That's fair. 
If it's entertaining, people will listen. Then, like I've, I've, a buddy of mine. We we're on a in New York. We were uh, when we were up in up in New York a couple weeks ago. He just put on like a true crime series on Spotify, and it was four hours long. And he was like, "I'll listen to this whole thing. I don't care." And I was like, "This is." I found it boring, but it was entertaining to him, and he listened to the whole thing. It was insane. Yeah. Well, we'll just agree to disagree, as we tend to do. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. <laughs> uh, but today's episode, like I said, we're focusing on remasters, remakes, ports, and I think it's a very now conversation because with next gen or actually current gen and the transition and how some some game companies will automatically just provide the updates for the previous gen version of the games and some are charging for it <clears throat> ghost of tsushima <clears throat> final fantasy and but some and then also you have straight up just remakes re, or remasters like the mass effect legendary edition which which came out which was is really cool and great and so i thought i thought it was a very like great conversation to have right now and since michaela you're such big and so big into games and you write about them you edit them and Everyone podcast about them. I thought you'd be a perfect guest for this show. And so, what really kind of struck this light bulb in my head was the rumors of the Dead Space remake that's coming out. I mean, I don't have a whole lot to comment on that, but that's really what what struck me, like uh, having this conversation. And then we always discuss like what's right, like how much should you pay for a game? Is this is this fair? So, uh, I just want to start it off. The first thing I want to start the conversation with is like, let's talk about remake versus remaster versus port. I don't know versus next gen upgrade right so uh Mikhail, i'll let you go first what to you what's a remake what's a remaster what's a port and what's a like an upgrade like in your eyes or your or well with like obviously we're seeing a ton of next gen upgrades those tend to be smaller tweaks where a lot of times the focus is on like you know hitting that 60 fps whatever faster load times just adjusting essentially the game to take advantage of the next gen hardware whereas a remaster is a little bit more involved than that where they might be actually like redoing some of the textures or changing some of the character models sometimes they you know tweak the music and the sound effects and all that stuff remake is where you see that next next level where like maybe they had to basically redo the code for a game it's completely from the ground up you know new assets being created for the game um it looks significantly different than how it was released one two three plus generations ago at this point you have like re-recorded music and then you also have the the license in a remake and we'll get to this probably with some of the examples we talk about to deviate a bit from the original so it's not always a one-to-one like a remaster tends to be the same game over again maybe with some added content whereas a remake with things like you see with resident evil 2 and with final fantasy 7 where they can kind of go beyond what the original source material provided yeah i completely 100% agree with that the definition over there i think what's really interesting about like i said this this current time is not we have they're not really remakes they're not really remasters and i guess they technically fall in the poor category but like upgrades you know games that have like you mentioned Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrade, which has the performance enhancements, which is which we have never seen before. Like this gen, we've never had someone, we never had a new gen that was so stuck in previous gen. I feel like, which is not a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing because it's great to have all these performance enhancements, graphical quality uh, increase, uh, uh, frames per second increase. Like it's all great, but it's it's kind of interesting to me. Do you have any thoughts on on the? On those upgrades, what do you think about that? In terms of, uh, so I get what you're saying here, but like with some of them, and especially you mentioned Ghost of Tsushima, and now we've got the um, the Death Stranding like director's cut. Mm, that's right. Um, where they're starting to charge for some of these, whereas with some of the other ones that we've had that have been free or even kind of almost like stealth dropped, like they're just like bang, God of War runs 60 FPS now. Surprise, here <laughs> it is for free. Not even going to tell you that it's there till it is. I I don't know. I I it's a weird stepping stone because like the gen like I think I don't know if this is fair. I think the the differences between generations, the PS4 jump to PS5 is a little bit more significant than what we've had in a while because of some of the things like an SSD that's really game changing. And I like that you know developers are providing these like quality of life enhancements but i do think that gamers get a little too focused on things like frame rate and resolution when a lot of them 
A, don't know what they're talking about, and B, maybe don't even have, like, a TV that takes advantage of those things. So they're getting themselves wound up for nothing, and then you've got stuff like cost being attached to it now with things like the Ghost of Tsushima director's cut, which I think is fair, although I would like it to cost the same for PS4 users as PS5 users and not more. Um, I don't know if you guys have different feelings about that, but... I'll let Josh Harmon here saying, but as soon as you said that, I just think about this Twitter thread I was reading. It was like these two fanboys going at it, and one was like, well, the S-Series X has 8K capabilities. And I was like, motherfucker, you don't even have an 8K TV. Like, shut up. Like, you know, it just cracks <laughs> so, me <absolutely>. up. <laughs> exactly. Like, you don't even have a 120 hertz TV. Like, I bet you, like, I bet you $100 you don't have a 120 hertz TV. So it's funny that you mentioned that. I totally relate. He probably doesn't even know what that actually means. A lot of people don't even understand, like, what those capabilities mean. You just throw numbers at people, and they are like, oh, I got the the one with the highest numbers. I'm the best. Yeah. I have a, a buddy of mine. He plays a Warhammer, an old-school Warhammer game. It's, like, four or five years old, and he's playing it on his 2060. And he tells me, he's like, oh, I get like 1150 frames a second. I'm like, at that point, the frame, the FPS is irrelevant. Okay. It just looks good. Don't just. And then a lot of people knock like the 30 FPS and 60 FPS. Oh, I can see 120. It's all situational. Like what suits the play style best? Like, for example, in, I mean, this isn't a video game. It's a film, right? In, forget what's, Into the Multiverse, Spider-Man, right? Into the Spider-Verse, yeah. So his character, throughout the progress of the movie, his frames per second individually get higher as he gains more skill and gets more comfortable in that position. So it's all about usage, in my opinion. People have these uh, preconceived notions that higher numbers is better. That's not the case. Sometimes it's all about how you apply those numbers and what they're properly, if they're properly being used. Yeah, that, that all makes sense. Yeah, I, can, I completely yeah. agree. Yeah. It's just funny to me how people stand for a certain console or one another and it's just like you're talking about it reminds me when i got my 1080 ti like a few years ago and i was playing stellaris and they are billions on it like on a 1080 ti when you got that i remember when you got that yeah they are billions you were like oh my god that's a great game but i was like man i spent 500 dollars on a on a gpu and Oh my god! I'm playing a game that doesn't use it all the way (laughs) yeah okay so those are those are all great points I think it's hilarious the, the the discussion on like performances and like you said a lot of gamers probably don't know that. But Josh, do you anything else to add on remakes? What a remake is, what a remaster is versus a port. Maybe what so, what's an upgrade? I, I, uh, when it comes to a remake, right? The way that I perceive it is, it's giving the player, maybe a seasoned player or a fan of that franchise, a new experience within that realm, right? Because like uh, Michaela said, sometimes they completely change certain story dynamics. Uh, within itself and certain key features of gameplay that might bring a more modern audience uh, to include those seasoned fans, right? So, for example, a great example is the Resident Evil series. Because of the success of Resident Evil 4, they brought this third-person, over-the-shoulder perspective, which pretty much, from day one, people loved. I remember when I got Resident Evil 4 and I was like, wait, it's not tank controls? And I loved every second of that game. And it became such a staple that they crossed it over into these remakes. And it gives you a whole different perspective on how you uh, look at the universe and how you play those characters and how you play those situations. I like the now, tank controls, though. I don't know why everyone shits on the tank controls. I like I don't, that. I don't, I don't, I don't, I like the tank controls. Okay. It's, it's scary I'm about to, I'm about to go down on this, I'm about to die on this hill on tank controls, man. I'm, no, 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 <laughs> tank, control, tank controls has its place. It's scary. Yeah, tank controls that's what made it great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But then now, because they're, because of new technology, the remake is able to create a, a broader spectrum of ambient, uh, 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 feeling it's it's more immersive because like for I I don't know why right I remember well I'll talk about that later but um when it comes to ports sometimes right a port can be just horrible I've played a lot of like console to PC ports where their controls just do not work for example Metal Gear all right we got it <laughs> so uh, Metal Gear uh, Solid was ported to PC a few years ago, and it's bad. It's not a good port. Even if you're using a controller, there's so many elements that are clunky, and it's not the same experience just because it's a port. And nobody is doing anything to work it out either. It's just damaged. And I don't know where to get a PS1 and Metal Gear. 
So <laughs> at least not nowadays. I'd have to get on eBay and pay emulator. Like 500, <clears throat> emulator. Five hundred million dollars. All right. Um, <laughs> now, when it comes to remasters, like she said, with upgraded shading, upgraded lighting, and optional uh, or upgraded environments, that to me, in my opinion, is a waste of time. Wait, remake? A remaster. Oh, a remaster. A remake, a remake, a remake can be beneficial, right? Because it brings in a new audience and it inspires the old audience to play a new game because it changes it, right? Because it changes oh, the man. game. Mm. Now, a mm. remaster I don't agree with. Mm. Because I don't know, man. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> okay, well, hold on. Listen to me. Hear me out. You say you like your tank controls, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the okay. time, maybe now, maybe okay. now. I mean, maybe now it hasn't evolved. Like gaming has evolved to the point where that doesn't really work. But I mean, I'm talking. You're talking to like 13 year old me right now when I'm talking about tank controls. Okay, right? So if you had just had, let's say, let's use it again, Resident Evil, right? Would you have purchased, repurchased Resident Evil if it was still the same game with the polygonal uh, textures and character models? Just because you could get a little bit higher resolution now. That's like an a depend. It depends, kind of, kind of question. It depends. Yeah. So it's not, in my opinion, not for I like sixty that bucks. That a, that's gonna that that's gonna come into our next part of conversation. I think we should shelve this. Right, but the, at the same yeah. time, there's so much stuff that goes into a remaster and a remake. All that money, they have to make it back. So. Uh, it, I don't know. Right, I've never worked in right, the game. I'm on, industry, I'm on, so I don't know about money. I want Michaela to chime in on this, but here's what okay, I, here's what on. I'll say is that if if it's the right type of port and if it for the right price, I probably uh, I would be for nostalgia's sake. I would probably buy it. Michaela, what do you think about Josh's take on remakes? No, it's not remakes. I'm it's sorry. I'm sorry. Remasters. remasters. remasters yeah. yeah. Well, to me. It depends. It depends on the scenario. So, like, you've got things that are labeled remasters. So, going back a generation, The Last of Us obviously hit at the end of PS3's life cycle, got remastered pretty early on in the PS4 life cycle. Yep. That's a smaller jump. Different example that comes to mind for me, though. And there's basically different levels of remaster. That's almost kind of like a port, but it is taking advantage of a new generation's hardware, PS3 to PS4. And, of course, we all know the PS3 was a nightmare to develop for, so I'm sure they had to do some hokey magic in the background to get it to work. Yeah, um, I like that hokey magic. I but like that. an example that hokey comes magic. to mind... <laughs> I, I don't know. I come up with weird shit. <laughs> it's but, all good. Um, <laughs> one thing that comes to mind that, to me, is a definitive remaster, but some people kind of call it a remake. To me, it's a remaster. Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. Hmm. That was a game that was trapped on the Wii U for a bit, and uh, it finally came over to the Switch. I did not have a Wii or a Wii U, couldn't play it, and it came over to the Switch, and it wasn't just a straight port. They redid the character models, they added a little bit of content here and there. It looks better. It's not just resolution upgrading, but I wouldn't call it a full remake. Um, it was. It's still the same game, but it does look better. And it's been a little bit longer, so unlike The Last of Us, where it was, you know, within a year or two that it got remastered PS3 to PS4, this game's been out five, six years, I forget exactly how long, um, and it came over last May to the Switch. That's a little bit of a bigger gap, where they did, you know, make it look a little bit more modern. I mean, I'm not going to say the Switch is the cutting edge of technology <laughs> to begin with, um, but, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It did more yeah. lifting, I guess, than than a port necessarily would it wasn't just a straight port of a wii u game to the switch it did get a remaster it did get a lift up it's called the definitive edition i don't know they throw all these different directors <laughs> cut definitive edition Legendary collectors blah blah, blah i don't even know um exactly that's where my counterpoint so there's kind of like a the remaster that's kind of like a lift and shift and then there's like a little bit more of a remaster where it's like there's been a gap of time where it's more appropriate to do a little right. bit more work on it where it's right. not a full remake though so i'm thinking of the mass effect legendary edition which i loved because the first mass effect was only on 360 right it was only on 360 so we are in a third a third gen jump and they updated everything. It plays great. You can get up to 120 frames per second on PC. It's just like beautiful. And it's so fun to go back and play it. So that's something like, like if they did the same thing for Resident Evil, I don't know. I don't know if I would go back and play it. But like, I love that. And like you were referencing McKay with the uh, Xenoblade Chronicles, which looks and plays really well on the Switch and gives a lot of people who didn't get a chance to experience it. So that's my take 
Josh, went with your thing again against, I guess, remasters is that I think it overall it depends, but it can be a good thing. And that's where that's one of the topics we'll get into is the good versus the bad, which is a good. I guess that's a good segue into the into the next. So that being said, what makes these things a good thing? Mikhail, I'll let you take this one first. So in terms of the remakes, I mean, we've kind of already been talking about it a little bit. It can introduce a whole new generation to a game that they might have missed. Um, and going backwards and playing older games, not always the most accessible thing, either because availability with the hardware or it's just some things just don't age as well. Uh, I'm not yep. going to say FF7 was a particularly pretty game, even in 1997. Yeah. <laughs> um, no arguments and- here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Apologies, Square, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, back, even but um, back in the day, like people the, were still the, awestruck by it. Like the CGI cutscenes, yes. people would be like, oh. "Cutscenes were great. The backgrounds yes, are great, but character the CGI models, cutscenes, everything in yeah. between." Yeah. The character it models that they're first 3D, yeah, 3D yeah. Final Fantasy. It's a big change from six to seven. Um, it's the first one on PlayStation, so that was a big change. First one on disc, big change. Lots of big changes with FF7, but it's still. Mm, that ugly yeah. child you don't want to look at. But um, <laughs> the other thing is, like you were talking about as well, is it's it's a huge bump for fans, people who love these games, people who love Resident Evil, people who love Final Fantasy. Um, for me, a remake that I enjoyed just for fun because it like hit that nostalgia button for me was Spyro. Um, mm. It's beautiful now, and you can go back and play it, and it doesn't look so terrible. And the controls are a little bit less terrible so there's um you know it's rewarding for fans it's inviting to new fans and if these things get a new like a good response when they are remade it can you know kind of revitalize certain franchises and give opportunities to make new games that maybe wouldn't have existed without that audience response previously so those are the kind of the good things i see with remakes specifically i'll save remasters i'll let you guys kind of talk dovetail on the remake part if you want sure no, I, I completely agree with what with everything she said. I mean, it's that's really my point home is introducing because generations have expectancies of certain things in their games, right? So like now everybody's in the battle royale mode, right? Now you might have yeah. a remaster that yeah. brings forth that element to include that universe that they're bringing with it. For example, we're getting RE-verse. I know what you're talking about, yeah. It's like the multiplayer element mm-hmm. to Resident Evil, but it's it's... They're taking this technology that is very popular now with the new generation of, of gamers, right? And they're creating a new thing with it. So, like I said, and like uh, Michaela said, that I think that for newer fans to bring them into the, into the fandom and into the bring that game into the limelight for people that don't usually have access or don't know about it, I think it's a good thing. So, yeah, I think- remaster remakes 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 yeah so i think that's where remake we were just talking about is remakes and remasters can both do that at the same time like with the uh, mass effect mass effect legendary edition is my, my go-to example because so many when did the 360 come out in 2005 when it in mass effect probably came out in 07 maybe 06 yeah, yeah right probably. so that's my public education served me well 14 years it's like like 15 14 years ago. yeah so imagine there's kids that probably weren't even born yet that are getting a chance to experience that game even though it's not really a remake it's a remaster so they still get to experience it but then on the same side of things we were talking about final fantasy 7 remake there's one of our listeners in the discord or one of the people in our discord uh, stevie i think stevie weavy he was saying ah. he was telling us and one time we were just hanging out and he was telling us how he never played the original final fantasy 7 on playstation but he played final fantasy 7 remake on playstation 4 and he was blown away loved it, it was amazing and so it was just so awesome that he got to experience experience that as well and versus how we get to experience you know what i mean so i think both can hit both can do that introduce to a franchise that didn't get to experience it when it was originally launched i think remakes are just a good thing in general because we all nostalgize. We all love nostalgia. Like it's just, it's a good feeling. Like it makes us feel good. That's essentially what nostalgia does. It makes us feel good inside. And so that's why I like remakes and remasters. Like playing, playing mass. When I was playing uh, the Mass Effect One on the Legendary Edition, I immediately started thinking about all the times I was holding my son. You know, yeah, it was like. Mass Effect 2, 2009-ish, because I remember my son had just been born. I remember times where I was, like, holding my son, or he was in a thing next to me, and I'm playing Mass Effect, and I literally had to pause, and then, you know, hang out with my son, and he'd take a nap, i get to play. So, like, all these, like, like fun things I remember from that game came back to me, and it just, 
that's why I like remakes and remasters because that nostalgia feeling if it's done well and it's priced right if it's not priced right <clears throat> the was that the final fantasy steam collection that came out that's like 70 bucks i think that's a little bit pushing pushing it <laughs> i see your face okay yeah i think that's where i start getting into the, we'll talk about the dislikes but in my eyes for the most part remakes and remasters there's no really there's no really bad thing about it essentially for the most part they can be, I guess, when you introduce other elements or other variables to it. They can be a bad thing when you look at the outside things. But you just give me a remake like Final Fantasy VII, or if they redid fucking Metal Gear Solid with today's graphics, like I'd pay. I'd they take I would my money. Eat it up. I would eat it up. Imagine if they did that. The, what they did with Final Fantasy VII, so, they did that with Metal Gear Solid. So I'm sorry, Brought David I'm sorry, Michaela, back. for for some context. Right, I'm so sorry. She's probably like, why is this happening? Peter and I are really, really big Metal Gear fans. Like, I'm it, getting Metal, sense. <laughs> Metal, Metal Gear gets referenced in every episode in some form or or something. I've been saying, give me Metal Gear One, and Metal Gear Two from the NSX system. Like, give me that. Like, I'll take that. You know, with today's graphics, but really, in that sense of uh, of nostalgia, you can't go wrong with a remake. Is what is basically what I'm saying. There's other things that can come into play that could ruin that. But if you're just gonna ask me yes, no, I'm gonna or like is it good or bad? I'm gonna say it's a good thing, right? What else you got? God, if, they, if they do it for Metal Gear and it's loot boxes, I'm gonna go insane. <laughs> <laughs> RNG, RNG. Yep. Josh, what else do you? What else you got? What are some of the good things about about remakes for you? Remasters, remakes, ports. Oh, we didn't even talk about the good things about uh, the upgrade, which is sort of like a remake. Well, when it comes to an upgrade, I mean, I'm not really seeing the difference. At least I don't understand it on a technical level, unless one of you can articulate it to me. I mean, I understand that there's certain different faceted things that go into an upgrade and a, and a remaster, but it seems to me on the base level that it's the same thing. What, a remake and a remaster? No, 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 no. A remaster and an upgrade. Okay, I'll. I think Michaela can articulate that. I'll let I you think, take this one. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I would say, like, like we were talking about with The Last of Us, the example I was using for PS3 to PS4, that's like a lower, like, a next gen upgrade is kind of like a lower level remaster, whereas, like, the Xenoblade Chronicles, that does more than just increasing, you know, like, frame rates, lighting, whatever, is a little bit more of an in depth remaster. So I guess I kind of have two versions of remaster in my head where that lower end is more like a next gen upgrade. And there definitely, there is some positives about those. So being fortunate enough to, to have nabbed a PS5, I've played a couple uh, next-gen upgrades, and there is a difference. So, like, obviously, I just played Final Fantasy VII, uh, the Integrated, uh, with the Intermission DLC, and the difference is very noticeable. Like, the textures, the lighting, you get... I, I don't want to be, like, that asshole, but you can tell difference if you know what you're talking about. And you've right. played games, and you've played both versions. You can tell the difference between... 30 fps and 60 fps 100 the most mind-boggling difference that i've seen so far though was when i played neo 2 so i am final fantasy is like my core franchise but neo is also huge for me when i was streaming neo was like the game that kind of grew my channel um when i played neo 2 at the version that like kicks up the frame rate like you can do 60 fps it can also reach for 120 fps i actually felt bad at Neo when I put it in my PS5 because it the game moved so differently at that extreme higher frame rate that I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why am I getting Shreked right now? I'm just <laughs> getting kicked all over the place. Why am I dizzy? So there can be... Oh my god, what? I literally just got like smashed to death by like the first boss in the game. I was like, whoa, wait, whoa, ego check. Slow your roll. Um... <laughs> But um, there can be some like the, the like quality of life, I guess, improvements with these next gen upgrades, but they're not as in depth as some of the like higher end remasters that you would expect to pay like full price for. Um, and a lot of these next gen upgrades, like the Neo one, um, have been coming for free, and then some of them, like the Ghost of Shima one, they're going to be charging for them not just because of the extra content, because, like, the extra content is $20 by itself, and then the next-gen upgrade is also an additional $10 on top of that. So there's a little uh, growing pains right now with the social media response to how these things are getting priced, but there's definitely positives in that it can make a quality-of-life enhancement 
while not being a full-on, like, in-depth remaster that's worth, like, a full-priced game, in my opinion. Yeah, that's actually what I want to get into after we talk about the bad things about remakes, is, like, how pricing can be. Because there's de- that's where, for me, it gets ruined, is when the developers almost seem like a cash grab <clears throat> Nintendo. <clears throat> but, um... <laughs> well, uh... <laughs> so do you have anything else to add about why remakes are good? I mean, no, I mean, I... I- did I not answer it? I'm I think you sure did. I did. You probably yeah. did. I already forgot. I have. I have. I'm like Dory. I'm just. I don't forget. Like what we just talked about five minutes ago. Um, all right. <laughs> um, all right. All right. So we talked a lot about like what's good about the remakes. Uh, now we got. We got to do the negative spin. We got to look at the other side because there are some. I think some negatives about the remakes, which we sort of touched on. Uh, so there are some bad things. Big bad things. It, this sounds terrible. It sounds like a, a five-year-old. There are some large negative aspects when it comes to remakes and ports and uh, why am I drawing a blank? Uh, remasters. <laughs> uh, and so I want to talk about those for a little bit. And I'll, Mikhail, I'll let you go first. What are some of the things that you think are the negative side of these masters and remakes? Like what are some maybe third and after effects, you know, from these? Yeah, so um, obviously we've talked about the whole cost thing and um, some of these remasters, remakes, ports, whatever. Not so much the remakes, but more so with the ports and the remasters, pricing can be an issue. We've seen Nintendo do their thing where they basically just lift and shift an old game (laughs) without really even doing anything to it and put it you know, on a super limited time deal, get it now and then it's gone type of Disney vault bullshittery i don't even know um <laughs> disney fault oh my we've, god we've mentioned the uh the <laughs> fuck the disney yeah the, uh, the the square enix recent episode with um e3 and i usually like my friend jason and i from both the podcast and the um uh, and obelisk we were like texting each other while we were watching the square enix show which was a little eh, this year um <laughs> during e3 and they started to show like this ff1 through 6 collection pixel remasters which is what we all want my truest dream for a remake would be a octopath engine remake hd2d of ff6 just throwing Mm. that out there square you could do it Um, i'd buy that yeah i don't need a full-on seven remake of six i want that pixel art yeah um but what they're doing with this one through six collection it's very very pricey it is steam and mobile only people keep making fun of the fonts um so there's there's some negative stuff with like pricing and are they just doing that cash grab thing but we've kind of already talked about that one thing that we kind of haven't talked about and i don't know if you guys agree or disagree with this with these remasters and even with some remakes it can kind of end up uh, taking certain resources, develop re- development resources, whether that's entire studios, time, money, whatever, um, and not only take them off of other types of games that people might want to be seeing, but it can kind of almost pigeonhole some developers. So an example I want to bring up is Bluepoint. Bluepoint is now known for doing these remasters and remakes, and they've done very, very well with them, especially the last couple that they've done, like The Shadow of the Colossus, and obviously they did Demon Souls, and Demon Souls is the first thing I put in my PS5. I was very happy with that game. It is beautiful. They did an amazing job. I spent, I kid you not, a good five minutes just looking at the scratches on my armor. Just I'm like, <laughs> holy detail. But (laughs) literally just staring at the screen, mouth open, drooling a little bit. Um, But do they ever break out of that cycle of constantly redoing other people's games? Like where, like, are there people there with creativity, with drive, desire to make new games of their own that are kind of, you know, are those projects getting sidelined because the line of business is like, hey, this is doing really well right now. We're getting a huge audience response. There's high demand for these. This is where our resources are getting allocated. I don't know. I don't work there. I've never heard anybody talk about it from the inside. Um, but you got to kind of wonder what could Bluepoint do if given their own head. So that's just an example that comes to mind for me. That is a really good example. I think that's uh Kind of reminds me of CD Projekt Red and what happened with, uh, we all know what happened with Cyberpunk 2077, and which just was announced, what, yesterday, two days ago, was the Witcher Next Gen update, right? Mm-hmm. I think that was just announced. WitcherCon. Uh, yeah. yeah. And that was actually, I, 
I can't remember specifically, but I think that was actually pushed back because of the time they had CD Projekt had to invest. I can remember what the initial launch time. I think it was like February. I want to say when they said 2021 was supposed to come out, but something like that. That actually got pushed back because they had to put all hands on deck on the the huge pile of crap <laughs> that Cyberpunk turned out to be when they put a launch in when it wasn't re- ready. And so that's another interesting when you're talking about things getting pigeonholed. And yeah, with Blue Point, I really would. I really would be interested to see what they could do uh, on their own. You know, like that would be really cool. I can just, I, I, I'm thinking in my head now, like imagine if they did their own souls like game, given that they've did demons Souls so well, like imagine if they could do their own and like put their own touch on their own game. I think that would be really interesting. Um, all right, I don't, I don't want to jump into the, my big things about the price and the paywalls. And I'm, I have a whole thing in here that I'm going to talk about uh, mostly referencing stuff, stuff that we already talked about, but Josh, what do you think? are some of the negatives of remakes and uh and ports and and well like like michaela said right uh sometimes these things can be slightly toxic uh so for example you had uh uh call of duty call of duty 4 the remaster for it uh is beautiful beautiful remaster well done a game completely upgraded right now i wasn't like I need it, but I got it for free. I forget why I, I got it for free. And then I downloaded it and I was playing. It looks amazing. And then I find out that there's a paid battle pass. And I was like, nobody's going to pay for this battle pass. So it just seemed a little toxic. So th- those are the kind of things that I think about. Like when people are doing something just to cash grab, they're like, oh, I know that uh, people are going to pay for it, my hardcore fans. And then maybe just maybe we'll put this thing in there just optionally. I mean, it's optional, but still, it's it's frustrating to see that I'm being deprioritized as a fan, as a consumer, because they want to make more money. I understand that's their goal, but I don't like to be perceived that way, you know? Well, I mean, that kind of reminds me of like the that what we saw with GTA 5 and somewhat Red Dead Redemption 2 was that money definitely, I feel like money definitely influenced uh, not... Rockstar would take two, who's the parent company, for not releasing DLC for GTA Five and Red Dead Redemption Two. I know this is not really remake stuff, but that's what it reminded me of because they can just make a bajillion dollars from shark cards and just keep rehashing the same uh, online on, online stuff. But that's where I think the focus is here for me is money. That's where it can go get 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 ugly when it's a cash grab. I remember when people were telling me. Final Fantasy VII Remake was just a cash grab. I was like, I... I mean, at the end of the day, their job is to make money. Like, I get that. But Final Fantasy VII Remake was not a cash grab by any means. Like, that's how... Re- if you want the 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 bar set for remakes, I think Final Fantasy VII would be the bar, right? I think we can agree that that's the, how the bar of remakes should be. Um, but then you look at like what Nintendo does. Nintendo really... I love Nintendo, but I hate Nintendo at the same time. I think I equally hate them, and I love them so much. And then the epit- what epitomizes them is Skyward Sword. Skyward Sword launched 2011. It was $50 for the regular version. It was $70, but you also got the new Wii controller with the Motion Plus built inside for $70. Now, they're with an HD, like, I guess, slight upgrade. I, I don't think there's anything else other than some some the, the HD upgrade for Switch. They're re-releasing it for $60. That's the stuff that that I don't like. I don't like that. I don't like, I don't like what uh, what Ghost of Tsushima was doing. Now this is lesser. I think a lesser uh, infringement upon gamers. But so if you own the original PS4 game, okay, you already said this. It's twenty dollars for the director's cut on PS4. If you already own it, it to upgrade it to the director's cut on PS5, that's thirty dollars. If you choose to purchase it the director's cut on ps4 you can upgrade to the ps5 version for ten dollars and they they pigeonhole all these these upgrades in there which is great but it's almost like well we saw with assassin's creed Val- valhalla they they like like you said they gave all these upgrades for free i think doom was a free upgrade even though place ps5 players got fucked over by bethesda but that was a free upgrade you mentioned god of war was a free upgrade you know so these are the things that really really bother me even final fantasy 7 remake to a certain degree because what they did was they shot themselves in the foot i felt like with they could have done this a lot better but if you own the ps4 version the ps5 upgrade was free but did not include the dlc okay fine the dlc was 20 dollars 
and it was PS5 only. I'm okay with that. I'm not big on the exclusivity stuff, but I, I was I was okay with that. Seventy dollars for the base game though, and the PS5 upgrade and the Yuffie episode, all in one package. Great. Um, but the thing that really messed them up was that if you got the PS5, you don't get the PS5 upgrade if you downloaded the free version when it was free in March for PlayStation Plus members. So confusion and money is what drives me freaking crazy with these remakes, upgrades, and whatever. And so I'll let you all take it off from there. Michaela, I'll let you go. What do you think about all those things that I mentioned? Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, when you say the confusion, I think that's huge because I think definitely, I I don't agree or disagree, but I think within the past five years, a lot of these gaming companies, publishers, developers, whatever, have gotten better at using social media. Like, I would say the epitome last year, the Fall Guys social media popped off. They did a really good job communicating to the community and engaging. Um, They've gotten better at communicating to gamers, especially ever since, like, E3 became a public event and all that stuff. And it's not just devs talking to devs anymore. But there's still a lot of work to be done there, especially when marketing gets involved. They don't always do themselves a good service when it comes to communicating clear information to gamers about this is how you get this, this is what it will cost you, this is why it is like this. They don't always have clear channels of communication around some of these things. Um, Certain Sony stuff does fall into this bucket. The FF7 stuff kind of can fall into this bucket. It's confusing. I believe Greedfall might have hit the same issue where, like, the Plus version was separate from, like, if you paid for it. And I understand that, like, upgrading a free game that you didn't pay for versus upgrading a game you did pay for for free. Like you said, these these guys do got to make their money. These developers very much deserve to get paid. They put in a lot of effort into making these things. Um, It's uh, I think a lot of it does come down to marketing and communication uh, gaffes that they've gotten better at communicating for the most part to gamers, but have not always you know made steady solid progress. And there's still a lot of work to be done in that that arena. Yeah, and I think gamers can be entitled a little bit. Like, I think we can, yeah. as gamers, we can be a little like, oh, we deserve this. And so, like, to to kind of backtrack on Ghost of Tsushima, Sucker Punch, they they gave, like, a free multiplayer uh, up, uh, download DLC. And I think it was, I can't remember what the other, DL, I think there was, like, actually a gameplay DLC as well they added. But I know the multiplayer one was free. And the other one, whatever upgrade it was, or whatever DLC was free, which is amazing, you know. And so, I'm kind of, like, flippy floppy on, on, that, on that issue. But I think... Integrated really frustrated me. I mean, from just not personally, but just uh, th- thinking as an average gamer's point of view, like that's really frustrating. I, 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 I think. Um, Josh, what are some of the negatives to you about these uh, remakes? Besides the, the price. cash grabbiness, like it's just the cash grabbing yeah. stuff. I, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it already. Is like I'm not a fan of, you know, toxicity. Now I understand, like you just elaborated, right? That sometimes. As a community, gamers can be mean. Like how there was so much pressure on, for example, CD Projekt Red, right? There was so much pressure from the community. Release it now. You said it was going to be ready last week. We've been waiting seven years. You said it'll release when it's ready. It looks ready. All these trailers look good. And they're like, you know what? Here. And they gave it to us, and now... We're like reaping what we sow, you know, dude. They, they did that to themselves, man. No, no I, I way. I'm not blaming. They did that to themselves. They, they, they had, they had shareholders. They had the, the, the one of the main shareholder. Their, their main like shareholder is what the, the manager of the company. I can't. I don't think game. I mean, there was pressure, and then they signed Keanu Reeves. They announced it at seven, seven years, seven years, eight years ago now. Whatever it was, super early. They put that pressure on themselves. I do not feel bad for CD Projekt Red. But I'm sorry. I, I, I kind of do. Because you say, right, you say that the shareholders, like the CEO or whatever, he's like, oh, but he's the, he's the, I need to make, okay. He's the biggest, on. he's the main shareholder, though. He owns the most shares, so he has the most money to make by releasing the game. Right, right. I understand what you're saying. However, how many people returned it? How many people trashed it and now their sales are going they down? They still made a bajillion dollars. It doesn't matter. I know they and they, made the quarter's over. It's already into the next quarter. But they could have made even more jillions. Yeah, but it's it's they they, they, they didn't have, they ran out of patience. Of the developers. It's exactly. Also the in the developers by the community especially. People said like 
CD Projekt Red, huge example. It's happened to other people as well. I want to say it happened with Death Stranding even. Like, death threats getting sent on social media to these poor developers where it's not their fault. It's the shareholders. It's the line of business. It's the major stakeholders who are, like, announcing things too early, over-promising, over-marketing, not delivering, you know, you, proper expectations to the audience about what the game actually is. That, yep. that was a huge problem with CD Projekt Red. The trailers and marketing materials said one thing and then the game itself turned out to be another thing because they couldn't deliver with the resources and time that they had Yep. and the organization structure. It's the actual people coding, developing, happened, making I, the game. It happened with suffered. OG Watch Dogs. I don't know if you remember the original trailer for the OG Watch Dogs. It w- looked yes. phenomenal. And then the game came out and people were like, yo, what the fuck is this? Okay? <laughs> because... It looked nothing, nothing like what was uh, portrayed in trailers and, and sneak peeks and all this stuff. It looked nothing like it. It didn't perform the same. It didn't look the same. It was basically a whole different game. Basically, they took all this energy and put it into marketing instead of into the actual game. That's what it felt like, right? And that's how, when it comes to like remasters and stuff, when you're taking all this, like, we're going to make it this way, we're going to make it this way, and then you get all hyped up, and then you're overhyped the community is overhyped for something and then they get it and then it's just like you you're serving me a bowl of shit and i don't know it was about a you perfect shit store like, that's basically what it was like, it was a perfect like bowls of shit i don't eat bowls of shit i'm not on a shit diet <laughs> i'm on a healthy diet and if a developer's not going to give me a complete game then i don't want it i'm but then again like i said as a community i personally am like I don't care if it takes 30 years. When it's ready, it's ready. Like, But people are so entitled, like you said. And the gaming community, like I've said before in my in our past shows, can be mean. We can be uh, uh, applying pressure to the developers for something that we care about, right? On the surface, we do care about it. We want it to be as good as it can be. But because of the pressure that we're applying to people that are making the things that we want to play, the things that we want to watch the food that we want to eat, all this kind of stuff, it all comes down to pressure to release something, to, to, to do that marketing properly. So I think when it comes to a remaster or a remake, the toxicity needs to come out of it on both sides because gamers can put pressure and developers can lie. Not Maybe not developers, but their marketing teams could pressure them to lie to make us want it more. It's just a cycle of back and forth that upsets me, and don't be shitty. All right. You're supposed to say that at the end, man. That's, I'll you say don't... it again. I'll say it again. Oh, my God. Okay, so one one last thing I'll add before we'll, we'll close it out. We'll give each other our final thoughts. We'll all, I give everyone a chance to say their final thoughts on the topic. The, the last thing that I'll say about things that I dislike was what we saw with Resident Evil 2 versus Resident Evil 3 re- Remake. Resident Evil 2 Remake, amazing. Like, just tons of content. It was long. Um, I'm still. I didn't. I still haven't played Part B yet. That's. I plan to do it on stream. But I've. I haven't even done Part B yet. But it was so great. And so that what I think happened was Capcom saw that and they tried to capture that with Resident Evil Three. But it was super short. I remember just sitting there like, "Holy fuck, the game's over." And there's no like second part. And so, I think that Resident Evil Three. No, Resident Evil Three was a full full price game. It cost the same amount as Resident Evil Two Remake. And the amount of content you got was nowhere near the same as what you got with resident evil 2 as far as time or gameplay time and that's what really bothers me i felt like that was more of a cash grab it was great to experience it again with next-gen graphics and everything but and this is where i kind of feel like i'm a little entitled because of what they gave us resident evil 2 but i felt like they shorted resident evil 3 because they knew they could you know versus what they did with resident evil 2 because they probably spent more time working on resident evil 2 because it was almost three times as long and that was my main gripe is when I do cash grabs like that. That was one of the things that I dislike. Um, there's a few honorable mentions of games that we didn't really uh, get to talk about. Like Metro Exodus had a next gen, a free next gen upgrade. Uh, Marvel Spider Man and Ma- Miles Morales. Actually, the Spider Marvel Spider Man upgrade you didn't get unless you bought the special edition of Miles Morales on PS5. So there was some more confusion there. But I really enjoyed Miles Morales on, P- on PS5. Kingdom Hearts, uh, that was a great port. Right, and Mikhail, I know you're the one that told me on Twitter. I think to just buy it. You're right, just buy it, just get it. You'll you'll, you'll enjoy it. Um, and uh, 
Yeah, and the Final Fantasy one through five. That was you mentioned that was really bad. But um, all right. So I think we've talked. Uh, we talked a whole lot about uh, remasters, remakes, whatever. I want to. I want to close it out with our final thoughts. Michaela, I'll let you go. I'll let you take as long as you want. What are your final thoughts on today's topics and what we talked about? Overall, I think you know we stand to benefit more often than not in terms of what we're getting with ports, remasters, remakes because these games are reaching new audiences. There's this whole element of video game preservation that we didn't even really touch on, introducing new audiences to old games, um, reintroducing old audiences to games that they already love, maybe in new ways. Like you know, one thing we didn't really talk about was not everybody was happy with the changes that they made to Final Fantasy VII in the first part of the remake. It's not a straight one-to-one remake; it's a reimagining. Um, some fans just want a straight remake. Some people didn't. But to me, I think seeing that ingenuity, that creativity unleashed, um, and you know, in Technicolor, is something that we all stand to benefit from. And I'm a little biased because it's my now second favorite game of all time. Um, (laughs) At least you're honest. (laughs) I'm very honest about it. Um, And then, you know, you know, it's playing games that maybe you missed because you don't have the right console anymore because eBay is not something you want to navigate. You know, like your Xenoblade Chronicles or a game we didn't really mention near Replicant, which was trapped on the PS3, Xbox 360 for a while. Mm. Um, And the version we actually got with Replicant was exclusive to Japan because Replicant's a weird game and it came out as near Gishalt in the West instead with a different protagonist who ugly daddy near has a very specific audience and you know what we'll we'll all miss him (laughs) but it's okay um uh so there can be a cash grab element um they do know that this is a market the developers the publishers they recognize hey this is a market we can make money here and at the end of the day uh you spend your money how you want to spend it. We can't like we can't stop people from paying out on microtransactions. We can't stop people from giving Nintendo, you know, all that cash grab that they're going for with things like the amiibo that enables fast travel in Skyward Sword. People are going to spend how they want to spend. What matters at the end of the day is you spend your money on the things that if you can afford to make you happy and, you know, one thing that I always say on Story Route Zero that has become one of our, like, the closing line for our episodes is that, dear gamers, it's not always about you. Not everything is always for you. Not every decision was always made with you specifically in mind. Um, just, you know, come to these things as something that, uh, you know, it hits that nostalgia button for you, that makes you happy, that, you know, gives you that lift. Games is supposed to be fun and, you know, remakes, remasters, give an opportunity to revisit or visit for the first time games that you either loved or were interested in or you never heard of before. And it breathes new lives into these franchises that, you know, keep, you know, the whole gaming narrative moving forward. And I think we're getting more good than bad out of them as a whole. Wonderfully said. Uh, I have things to say as well. Josh, I'll let you uh, you, uh, say your final thoughts. I actually don't think I can add any more to what she said. She, I know, like, like it's it a tough follow-up. All, all I will say, right, like I said that sometimes I feel like a remaster can be a waste of time, but like I said, sometimes it can go in the opposite direction. It makes you happy. It makes you feel that nostalgia. It gives you the ability to experience a game that maybe the prior ver- version you didn't get the chance to play, so now you can play it now because you have the hardware, right? For example, I have only ever played uh the first half-life on console back when it came out uh ps2 like there was, yeah something like that right and but after seeing people play it on pc when i was a young man right i didn't i didn't have a gaming computer and so but it seemed like that was the place to play it at like that was where you would really enjoy it is playing it on that type of platform and now this many years later they've released uh, Black Mesa. So Black Mesa is like a kind of like a remaster. And I saw, I was like, I wonder if Half-Life's for sale. I was, because the summer sale's going on right now. Or actually it ended a couple days ago. But the summer sale on Steam was going on and I was like looking for stuff to see if anything piqued my interest. And I had no idea that this was out. I saw Black Mesa and then right below it was Half-Life Remaster or Reimagine or Definitive Edition. And I read about each one and I was like, uh, let me go with this Black Mesa one. And then I did a contrast of both, and it's def- definitely the better experience. And I'm getting to relive it and feel that nostalgia from when I was young 
But now Do you know I the story behind that? On the ho- behind what? Black Mesa? No. It was actually a group no. of modders that were making that, and then Valve hired them. That's another thing, is that not every... I love the fact that not every uh, amplifier to a game has to be through a major developer. I love the modding community. The modding community in all spectrums of, of gaming is phenomenal to me. I mean, sometimes they make really weird stuff, but uh, overall, Skyrim. I know that they're well-intended. They're, oh, Skyrim. Oh, my God. Almost the tank engine is the best. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Are you talking about the Resident <laughs> Evil one? That's in Skyrim, too. He's oh. in everything, but also about the modding community. It didn't the Mass Effect trilogy use what modders had done as like a benchmark? Like, we need to hit or exceed this because this is what the modding community has already done for our games. And this is what we want to target now going forward. And I think I, they involved modders with that. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. if, I wonder if they look at modders and they're like, we're not paying people for this. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're able to what make it. A, game where they made this made game so good. Much. They GTA made, they, Online. Remember, didn't they pay that guy? Because he, he found the, the load times. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe so. They they like they either paid him or they hired him. I don't remember specific. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, there was that. But then there was, oh man, I just lost the thought. There was one that was like where the modder got like screwed over. Anyway, I lost my thought. But anyways, Josh, I'll let you finish up. Finish up your final. Well, part. I mean, Beth- Bethesda had like what is it like nine hundred ver- versions of Skyrim. Oh, like, we didn't even in- talk about that. The issues with rehashing the same game over and over again. Which doing it over and over. They're like Skyrim now on Switch. I'm like, okay, you can Skyrim now in VR. <laughs> Skyrim HD. Skyrim 4K. It's just like, just get some mods, dude. You'll be all right. You'll figure it out. <laughs> if you're trying to amplify your game, I need to buy it for the 11th time. Like, I can't do it. I I bought The Witcher like four times, I think. That's what I'm talking about. Like that toxicity. And and in my opinion, doing that, that's toxic behavior because they're like, we know that people love this game so much, they'll buy it again. And even though it's cheaper, it's still like who's at fault? The gamers that are buying it over again or the developers that chicken or the egg? I know. Everybody everybody's at fault. Everybody. Okay. Like who's worse? Scalpers or people that buy them at the scalp price? That's my that's my You're you're completely you're completely right. You're completely right. Um yeah, anyway so my final thoughts is this money is a big issue, content is a big issue for me. So the thing that we didn't touch on for what I was thinking about is I thought about this a couple years ago was how the movie industry was transitioning to nothing original. It's all derivative, another IP, it's all rehashes, sequels and remakes, and I was like, Man, I'm really glad video games don't do this and then eh, <laughs> that, that that killed it, right? And then everything again re, rehashed as a rehash. And like you see, like Last of Us is about to get a, a second remake. I was going to say third, but it's actually a second. It's supposed to be a remake, I believe, not a remaster, but a remake. They're re, totally redoing. It. But like, do we really need that? I mean, I don't know. That's the question. I mean, do we really need anything, right? <laughs> but uh, it's it's just like that to me. This drives me crazy, and then like we we touched on, I'm surprised I even talk about it, was like GTA Five and Skyrim, and just it's the money grab that that kills me and dr- frustrate frustrates me because people want to people will buy it and developers know that, so then it's like who's worse and, and you know who's to blame for that? Just like we're microtransaction. I used to be a big NBA 2K player, and they have all these microtransactions and virtual currency, which is VC, and it really just drove me crazy because it ruined the game for me and. I think that's the downside. Other than that, if you take that aspect out of it, you get stuff like Resident Evil 2 Remake and uh, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which I'm loving, and then you get the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Just those are such great things for us as gamers. I think there's like really no nothing wrong with that. But then you have to look at the content and then overall the price. That that's the, my last thing that I'll say. I think it comes down to content and, and a fair price. Um, I just want one thing. I just want one thing. I want the Metal Gear remake. I want it, right? Me too. But I'm telling you right now, if they bring in some kind of microtransaction bullshit, like, oh, now you can play the whole game with marijuana leaf camouflage, I'm going to preemptively turn myself into the police oh, because somebody discussion. will die. I'm fine with those things. Like, I'm fine with I non- hate you. I'm fine with cosmetics. If you want to buy pink, cosmetics, pink, pink guns. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, okay, don't don't need that because I want to ask you that question. But uh, Michaela, it was such a pleasure and an honor to have you on, on our pod today. This was so much fun, Josh. It's always a pleasure, bud. 
one of my best friends. Yes. Uh, this is always a great thing, <laughs> <laughs> great thing to do. Uh, so that's it. I'm going to end it here. You all have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you all so much, and I'll see you all later. Have a shitty. Bye.